Blog Talk Radio. Oh, hi there everyone. This is Healing from Harmony Hall, Francis Nickton speaking, to today, happily, Anthony Offret, who's my salsa teacher, has been for the last couple of years. I'm personally a little bit hyper because we literally just finished our salsa lessons. I've got all sorts of things to, uh, to run by you because I, I know that you came from a, a background of more of a military background and you come to dancing. And I like that idea because obviously it's a more of a make love, not war arrangement. And uh, you must have maybe done some physical training that slightly prepared you. But how did you make that transition and why? From military to dancing, well, there's been, it wasn't straight from military to dancing, from military to too many things and eventually to dancing. I don't know if uh, anything in the military prepared me for dancing. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Carrying 75 pounds, right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The no, lifts and... Uh, no? Not sure, not sure. Maybe martial arts, because I did quite a bit of martial arts, and that definitely uh, helped me for dancing. A lot of other foundations are the same, balance and uh, you know, all, all this stuff. Keeping the way, afraid, maybe? Uh, well, yeah, how, how you move, how you move on the floor, on the dance floor, or how you move on the, in a dojo, is, is, is in a way, there's a lot of similarities. In was that a sort of a ninja style, or was it a kung fu <laughs> style? Or? I was doing karate. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. And was that uh, trained in in the military? No, I did that as a hobby, as, a, as a, something to do on a Wednesday afternoon after school and, and, and the week. You know, to teach or, well, start in the first place? Dancing? Um, I, I think it was, well, a little bit by accident, really. Uh, even though I probably always, always had been interested in, in a certain level, uh, I never really got into it until uh, a friend of me asked me to to, to go with her and uh, to a, to a dance class, and, and I really enjoyed it. And that was it. That's the best it's, way to do it, actually, isn't it? Well, it's the you only way to do it. Yeah, it's, it's like everything; you just have to start, and see what comes out of it. Uh, well, since I started, I mean, some things came almost immediately to a head. You know, one one of the things that because I'm always trying to help people with our control issues. You know, they're, they're related to kind of fear and trying to keep some sort of handle on what's happening in their lives. Mm. And the first thing you have to learn as a lady in salsa is to follow mm. and just to trust that you, your arm's not going to be, you know, double, double back or, or it doesn't matter whether the lead is in time or there's a something that's not akin to the pattern that you're trying. Mm-hmm. So how have you found teaching women, first of all, to, to follow? Well, I guess that's one of the challenges. Because a lot of time when people come, when they start dancing, partner, partner dance, they often see the dance as, I suppose, something that we do together. And teamwork. Teamwork. It is teamwork, but... Not necessarily as one would think. We don't put, uh, we don't vote to see what kind of move is going to happen next. There's a leader and there's a <laughs> follower. There are lots of, lots of issues that arises out of that. Lots of little things. For example, uh, control is a very big one. A lady sometimes feels that they're losing control of what's, of what's happening in a way. 
uh, until they become a little more advanced and then they understand what's going on. You know, at the beginning, beginners, you see a lot of ladies that might pick it up, pick the step up faster than their, than their leaders, trying to help the leader and, and hence taking the lead. But that's a see, I've never done that, I'm sure. No, <laughs> no it's, it's a very easy thing to do because it's, it's a helpful thing to do in a way, or we think it is, but it's, it's not. Following is it's like, um, as I like to describe it, it's like meditation. It's a very, uh, very simple uh, to, to, to understand, but it's still a very, very difficult thing to do because it requires a lot of practice and training. It's about uh, being in the present and not anticipating what, what the leader might do or might not do, or not looking back at the mistake you just did a minute ago, or... It's very much about being in the present, aware, and receiving a lead. So yes. that's, that's, a, that's a follower's job, and very also, different from the leader. Yes, so. and it's, um, it's, it's, I like that analogy, and also it's kind of more proactive than waiting to see what is going to happen next, because uh, one thing I notice after a time is that you have to really be able to listen uh, or, or watch or feel for um, the lead. Mm-hmm. So mm. it's you have so to be you're present. Not, mm. Yes, and not be on on the back foot. Yeah, you can't be asleep. You yeah. have to be. You have to be fully present. Yeah. Yes, and do you find that straightforward to teach, or do you, do you always teach it through physical uh, vocabulary, like keep your balance or keep your weight forward, or or how? Oh, well, we have exercises. Uh, you were not here earlier for the the, the first class, but an exercise that you've been, that you've done before, which is uh, working on tension. In the ballroom, there's a tension, like a sort of proud, mm. sort of reserved or kind of pulling away from but tension. But more of a posture yeah. than, than uh, what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is communication. Another way to look at it is there is a, there's a message, there is a, a transmitter and a receiver. And there is a medium. So you, you have four things. Uh, transmissions come from, from the leader. Receptions is a follower. The medium is the frame, the message is the lead. Um, oh, I like uh, that. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and what about then the lead? Because, what, I mean, you said about letting go of, of, um, of control. You can imagine often the scene is that the lady in the partnership has said, let's go to a salsa class. It's going to be absolutely mm. brilliant. So she's already in a, quite a dominant role by the time she gets there. She's managed to persuade mm. her, mm. Uh, her partner mm. to come and potentially be you know, mortify mm. himself and put, really put him through his paces mm-hmm. because the lead has to concentrate so much more. And That's a different job. For, and for men to... So the same men then have to step into a leadership role, which I think is really important and, oh. and really dignifying. To, to all the men I've met who do it, but uh, but not that many do. I mean, how do you guide people through that stage of development? Well, that's practice. But basically, leading is not that different from what you do on a day-to-day basis. Leading is, is simply thinking a little bit ahead. So the leader would be much more in a frame of mind than is the same friend of mine he has been all day long. He's, he's planning his moves the way he's been planning his day, probably. As a lady, the lady has to get off that frame of mind, 
She usually she functions the same frame of mind, obviously. Getting stuff uh, done. Uh, getting yes, in the day to day, but it, she has to change her frame of mind. As a leader, doesn't the leader has to learn new techniques, uh, steps and patterns and so on. Basically, new techniques and implement them on time. But that's very much the way he's used to thinking. Anyways, it's just a new material that he's thinking. Yes, I, yes, I, well, that makes sense. But I, I do think, and I, I, it might be just me, but a lot, for a lot of people, that dancing, you're uh, kind of maybe outside or inside your comfort zone. Another person is within your comfort zone, so it's quite unique a situation. Oh, it is, yeah. Uh, and does that take, uh, does everybody manage to get through from being you know, self-conscious of, of, their, of their personal space? To, to be able to work in, in synergy with no, another No, not everyone, but, but, but you can't, it can be taught, but not everyone can manage. But a funny thing about this is that, for example, a few years ago, I received a call from uh, a company in the UK who was looking to hire a lawyer. And that guy, that lawyer, had put me down as a reference, even though... You know, I was just his dance teacher, and not his employer or anything like that. But he has, he has me down as a reference, um, non-work-related reference. Yeah. But the interviewer, the lady that was interviewing him and interviewing for him, asked me uh, quite a few questions. And this is when I realized that as a teacher, there's a lot I can say about people by uh, observing and teaching them. And, you know, there's a lot you can say, how they take in and process information, uh, how they take the leading role or the following role, uh, role, how comfortable they are with new challenges, and many, many things like that, how shy, or some some people tend to be more towards the bullying side, or, you know, what kind of spectrum we're in, everything comes comes to the surface, because, because uh, dancers, when I'm teaching them, are very busy trying to dance, so they are not... Minding uh, themselves. Minding themselves <laughs> as much, and things come through, and you can see all these things. So. Well, that's brilliant. And so, were you able to give a glowing report? I um, was. <laughs> <laughs> no way, I wouldn't want him representing <laughs> me. <laughs> no, you wouldn't want to say that. I like the idea that of all the things that you've, you've done, uh, that you've come to come to teach, you've come to teach in Ireland, and I know that it has been a, a, a growing process for you, partly because you've you know, obviously established uh, clubs here, but also because you've just got married. So mm. is, is, it, is dancing also about finding love? Uh, well, I guess it is. Uh, I guess it is uh, for some people, <laughs> maybe not for everyone, but it's definitely about connecting. So probably to certain to, to certain level to some level yes it is it's about connecting and and it's about uh, harmony between two people and it's about uh, connection and being able to do something with someone that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise yes. otherwise yeah so it's partnership that brings you know the the, the, the as I said the, the some of the two parts are greater than. Each, yeah. You know what I mean. I'm not sure I'm clear, but yeah, no, I like that. Go. That is for me a uh, synergy that I'm always thinking about. Two energies working better together than separately. Yeah, yeah. They and bring something new. Yeah. They're able to construct 
And did you meet your wife through yes, dancing? Yes, I met her through dancing at water for a few years. Mm. In terms of when you were dancing professionally, were you, was it competitions or what was it? In oh, I don't, well, I never really danced professionally as such. Well, I don't know what you call professionally. I told that that's my profession. I did dance for competitions. That was years ago. And, and what I, was that consistent? Some, sh- some shows for show dancing as well, but it wasn't my, my job as such. It was more kind of a sideline. My job is teaching. Yeah. You know, yeah. Very modest. I don't think that uh, if, you, if you did a show, was that like you and the partner out there well, in front of a whole load of people yeah. giving it loads? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Without <laughs> mishap. <laughs> <laughs> That's the idea. <laughs> well, sometimes there was a few of us, it's not just. Yeah, and and when um, when we're saying about uh, the connection and and synergy, it's one of your specialities is helping people with their first dance, isn't it, for their for that's, their wedding? That's another thing we do. I know it's not a specialty. It's, it's again, it's more of a you know teaching is is is, is what I do. So, yeah. but and and that's a part of it. Sometimes, yeah, you do uh, first dance and choreography. Mm. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, that's, that's a nice, fun part of it, yeah. And how you often would they come? very, very happy of... people at yeah. the end of it. Uh, no, it's not a big part of, of my job at all, no. No, no, no. no. Uh, I only do one every couple of months, uh, yeah. three months maybe. It's not a big part of my job. So no. I wonder if people are getting married as much, or whether they're... Never getting married as much, but it's a lot to take on. It's... Uh, as I, you know, it's not so long since I got married, so I know there's a lot of work in getting married. Yes. And this is just an additional thing, and it's not something you can pick up in a day. It takes time to learn a choreography to the extent yes. that you'd be comfortable doing it in, in public. So it's something that needs to be planned early, and it's it's an additional job. You know, I mean, uh, getting married is a lot of work. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> And why did you choose the uh, online salsa, the um, New York style? Um, well, because it's, it's the style I preferred. Um, you did it all of them to start with, or you just... Yeah, I've done all, all the styles. Uh, I just find it a lot smoother. Yes. What do you call it? The New York style, I, I find it smoother, maybe uh, more subtle and... I just prefer it. It's more, much more technical as well, I guess. Yeah, so it keeps your interest because it's yeah, like a lifestyle yeah, art uh, form in a way. Yes, well, I'm sure so is a Cuban, even though I haven't danced Cuban style in a good while, but you know, there's no, you can always learn. Yeah, that's great. And and so when you were growing up, where did you grow up? In France, in Brittany. And was it a good place to live? Yeah, it's a lovely place to live, yeah. And, and, and was it uh, national service that you did, or did you choose to go? No, I, in the military, no, yeah, I did, uh, I did choose to go, uh, I, was, uh, I was a cadet, preparing to be an officer, so it was, it was more a school, university. Yes, mm. and, uh, and what do you think of, what do you think of it now? I mean, do you, what do you think of the army and oh. the war and what's happening? Um, well, the army is not my thing, it's, it's never been, it just... Uh, I had to go to to realize that I I wanted to be a I had this dream of being a pilot and uh, that's why I, I I joined the military. But, uh, what did you say earlier about the military flying? Wasn't for me. 
Mm. Oh, the best way to learn to uh, dance is to teach it, and uh, you said <laughs> <laughs> that's that how you apply to flying. <laughs> <laughs> the best way to learn to fly is to teach it. So I'd say there were some casualties, were there, in your initial learning process? Touch <laughs> wood. Did you have a teacher? Did you? Are you, are you a pilot? Yeah. And and what sort of uh, just for like, loop the loop red arrows? No, uh, yeah, I have a. Uh, yeah, aerobatic. Uh, uh, I did some aerobatics, but uh, but I don't anymore. I just uh, I don't have the cash for that anymore. <laughs> the, the fuel is gone to expenses. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. Just to to finish off, I want to ask because uh, when you were on your honeymoon, you uh, you described that you went on one or two extreme extreme sports sort of adventures and and your beloved wife you know uh, endeavored to join in and and why what is what is your belief that people should get out of their comfort zone and do that why why do you think well, i don't think i don't think people should necessarily go do the thing i do because uh but uh, getting out of your comfort zone, that's a different thing. I think you should always challenge yourself and get out of your comfort zone, whatever your comfort zone is. And it's not, you, know, you don't necessarily need to fly a plane upside down to do that. Uh, I mean, there are more uh, sane ways of doing it. But uh, I Why think it, you it keeps you, um, well, I think it keeps you fresh and young and uh, it gives you new, you know, it opens up your mind to new things. Yeah, I think yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, and that's what I definitely mm-hmm. feel about salsa as well. So thanks very much for bothering to come over yeah, and teach you. I've loved it. <laughs> brilliant. Oh. Mm-hmm.
another way forward is thinking of balance as a complete vision. One answer on the list of what most people want is a balance in their lives. We have seen that one moves closer to achieving a goal the more clarity one has about it. To this end, we can focus in a methodical way on what balance might mean in each energy field. So the physical energy field. Physical balance can be understood as keeping your center of gravity. Feel if you can lean equal weight on both your feet. Experiment with your posture, lifting your sternum, bringing your shoulder blades down. Increase your balance on one leg, on your arms or just shoulders. Anyone can improve their physical balance with practice from whatever their current condition. The spiritual energy field. The two sides of the body should also be balanced energetically, using the pendulum clear for equal softness versus tension in the muscle tone of your left and right sides. Just bringing your attention to it, becoming aware of how your body feels from the inside, will also isolate and correct the balance. It is generally thought that your right side represents your male side and your left represents your female side. If you reflect on which side of your body you have aches and pains, a frozen shoulder, ankles that give way and so on, this offers further healing insight. Of course, you have a mental energy field. Your thoughts might turn to, well, that explains it, it's a lost cause, or I never could touch my toes anyway. Notice these limiting beliefs. In the past, they may have stopped you making improvements. This time, clear your attachment to the beliefs as you become aware of them. Take an objective role, no longer identifying with the idea that you are a solid, slightly rickety, physical being. You are, in fact, the awareness behind the thoughts. Perhaps using the pendulum, swing it until you get your resistant thoughts from 100 to 0%, then upload a better attitude up to 100%. For example, I am grateful for what I am able to do, and I am enjoying how balanced I am becoming. What you will notice is that the universe conspires to bring you to the new mental vision of yourself. People pray for peace of mind, but you can start by embodying it physically. Every person is animated. Your physical presence is characterized by aspects of your mental personality. Instead of trying to quiet the mind or relax as you used to, it is worth bypassing the mind altogether. Focus on the core of your body and emanate tenderness outwards. This is from the center of the fingers, the toes and limbs, to the skin on the surface. Inform every cell to represent this comfort and ease. Hold the same intention for your shoulders and chest. When you literally choose the frequencies you want to embody, you find that at once they bring health. This is conscious choice at its best. Repeated practice brings a new way of being in the world, a focus on the light rather than the darkness, on the vitality and animation of the body rather than the individual aches and pains. New slipstreams of fitness and self-expression present themselves. Of course, we have the emotional field. Emotional balance is achieved by developing a sense of belonging. If you immediately look outside for evidence and decide, nope, I'm very much on my own in this, or people don't understand me, or there's no real community anymore, just notice these ideas coming up. The solution is again to look inwards to our remembered knowledge that we are all connected and take comfort from that. 
is balancing to remember our oneness in other ways too. That love underlies every situation and that there is nothing to judge as we are all innocent reflections of each other. There will be clearing to do regularly over this because our distrust is so ingrained. We have drifted a long way off the mark with our perceptions because we were so convinced of our separateness. Over time, your intuitive knowing will go from being a guide you check in with occasionally to being an ongoing sense that you are powerfully participating in a great healing for yourself and all humankind. In our other energetic fields too, there is profound information coming to help us keep our balance. Sometimes in our etheric field, that is from our environment. If you can remain receptive and centered in your awareness, a sustainable expansion is happening. Try and picture yourself dispersing the emotional and electrical charge around your most dominant and recurring feelings. Practice witnessing all your daily interactions as gifts, however tense or unexpected. If you can continually drag your mind away from blame and judgment, you open up the range of experience to include health where there was sickness, curiosity where there was fear, and leadership where there were only victims of circumstance. You find yourself balanced, philosophical, and with your physical batteries recharged simultaneously. Even when you have cleared old depressing attachments and inevitability in all its guises, it may still not become your second nature to automatically make positive changes. Unfortunately, the very events that closed your heart down in the first place will come up for healing. Be prepared for this and clear a little every day of your vast memory bank of experiences. This can be done by simply starting the day by clearing any obstacles to this being the best day of your life so far. Then, ending the day by clearing any difficult information that you met or absorbed during the day. By catching yourself at these least emotional times, you can get a glimpse of objectivity. Instead of your mind saying, oh really, or I don't think so, you are setting an optimistic tone. In the morning, you are aligning your thoughts to help you make steady, positive progress throughout your day. In the evening, you are directing them toward the calm and compassionate review of your day. The acknowledgement releases the stress of the drama your day may have contained.
You can use the words drama, polarity, turbulence, disease, chaos, stress, conflict and story interchangeably. In our energetic world they are all just expressions. They all represent tangles and vortices of energy, too dense or draining away respectively. To heal anything only involves remembering this. That is that everything is just a tangle or a drain, something too dense, something just pouring away. As you start to feel the benefit of your morning and evening clearings, start to call upon this energetic perspective to deal with other situations. Can I clear my relationship with my parents? Can I clear the bad luck my friend always has? Can I clear the atmosphere at work? That disease that is killing off the Dutch elms? That pain that is making my partner's life desperate? Every difficulty is something either in you or your environment that is showing up for healing. On the surface there seems to be something wrong, but you are training your focus to return to the coherent flow that underlies it. Therefore, you can also conversely use the words stillness, harmony, perfection, oneness, all that is, oceanic flow and energetic fabric interchangeably as well. We're establishing a pattern of living in alignment with this. So what stands as a barrier between you and this peaceful existence? It's judgment. As you embark on participating consciously, you will start to notice what you feel strongly about. You will have thought you were absolutely right about several things, like being anti-cruelty to animals, uh, against the neglect of children, against nuclear power, against domestic abuse. You might be pro-organic food, good education for all, multicultural inclusion and marriage. In fact, nothing is good or bad. It is actually people getting triggered by strong emotion to various topics that perpetuates problems. Righteous indignation and an overactive critical faculty are the main culprits in academic and scientific people. Low self-esteem and a lack mentality are the main culprits for others. Polarised black and white thinking is everywhere though. Common to all instances is the denial of our interconnectedness. Your job is to dissipate these embedded ideas as you notice them. The ethical implications are that everyone is innocent. Some people have just identified with different things. You might have been careful to only express your sunny disposition or your tough but fair attitude. Someone else might have learnt to scowl at the world to make sure they got what they needed. Fundamentally, every person has all the frequencies to play with. As you get comfortable with more and more thoughts and feelings of your own and those of whoever shows up, your inner world will expand. The way to practice this is to keep remembering it. It is an affirmation that most people will have to have, well, will have to play with first before in any way believing it, understanding it or trusting it. So have fun with statements like, I'm going to assume that this happened because of an innocent misunderstanding. The truth of this statement will unfold. In the past, you would have felt anger at the cause of the trouble. You might have been defensive, cautious, or more negative, or cautious of more negativity to come. Throughout, you would have been implying your doubt about a positive outcome. 
Therefore, you were inadvertently guaranteeing there would not be one. Play continually with the awareness that each scenario and person you meet, you have created yourself. Firstly, this stops old blame patterns. You become much more inclined to understand events and reach a harmonious solution. After a while, you establish an expansive process where you recognize every situation as an opportunity to meet yourself, know yourself, come to terms with yourself. Many people spend so long in crisis that their resistance to taking responsibility for their life is too great. They are literally dying to hand their lives over to science to experiment on and then be angry at the results. Instead, please assume that there is simply some stuck energy to clear, some residue from the past, and make the transition to a new paradigm as soon as you feel ready. Yesterday All my troubles seem so far away Now it looks as though they're here to stay Oh, I believe in yesterday Suddenly There's a shadow hanging over Not half the man I used to be. Oh, yesterday won't set me free. Why she had to go, I don't know. She wouldn't say. I said, Such an easy game to play Now I need a place to hide away Oh, I believe in yesterday structure supporting the new paradigm. It's not just a hope for the best situation. All architects learn about sacred geometry and the golden mean, but many do not use it in their designs. The golden mean is 1.618, which appears uniformly in all living things. 
It is the ratio between one part and the next, the torso to the legs, the wings to the thorax, the leaf to the twig. Growth and health resonate most successfully at this frequency. That is why it is mirrored everywhere in nature. It should be applied in man-made constructions, in particular homes and work premises, for families and businesses to thrive. It is also the only way that buildings can really benefit their environment rather than pollute it. The golden mean is illustrated by a spiral, which is the most common form found in nature, from snails to DNA to whole galaxies. We have accepted that we live in an energetic world. Everything we see and experience is energy compressed into various forms, some tangible, some not. Emotion is a cascade between short and long wave frequencies. This can be understood as immediate feelings given momentum by memories from your past. Imagine if you could consciously move every feeling along a spiral to its resolution. The geometry, in addition to the heart space that you are becoming aware of, can provide this instant resolution and healing. You are consciously reconnecting to the central still point that underlies all apparent suffering. The spiral offers a perfectly manageable path to follow. Through denial, avoidance, pain or panic, back to your peaceful core. Sacred geometry is also concerned with successful manifesting. We can understand how it assists in bringing thought into form. The spiral is the only geometry that allows energy and information to fall into its centre. As energy gets compressed, it goes the speed of light and therefore comes to inhabit time. It becomes manifest. Have a golden spiral at your centre, whether it is a piece of art or a spiral staircase, and make it a creative space to set out your goals. They then cannot help but take shape in the third dimension. Understanding that you have your own geometric structure corrects your health as well. In a human being, there is a build-up of electrical charge and emotional charge. Feelings and experiences eventually take shape in the body as disease. We are stuck with a compelling illusion that we are separate from everyone else, and we spend our time trying to fend off the pressure from this outside world, in inverted commas. We fear judgment, pain, violence, destitution and other apparent derelictions. Unfortunately, that means we keep attracting them because the fear is continually there in our unconscious. Furthermore, most people think they are solid, limited, and what is worse, they are sure that they are deteriorating. People have altogether forgotten that energy is flowing from and to them all the time, changing our very composition. We are not solid, but fluid, energetic beings made up mostly of light and space and water. Conscious use of the spiral cannot help but create a spin path for all these conflicting and demoralizing bits of energetic information that we have been identified with. With the release of this stagnant information, stress in the physical system also falls away. Geometry can bring about effortless positive change. Although it is unchanging itself, it facilitates the forming anticipation of energy. Remember that you have only adopted an idea of who you are and then become it, 
you can now change very simply by changing your ideas and bringing them into form, becoming something else instead. Limit yourself, if you want, to conventional healing methods, but realize that, that you are swallowing inevitability and fear as a way of life. Or you might allow stilted progress along a very linear path at most. Change is possible on every level, emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, and in your environment. Do not assume that all is lost in regard to love, time, health, or even money, however long you have been ill or despairing. Wasn't slipping away from you every time you turned around But I was running out of things to do to keep my feet on solid ground And with the writing on the wall Should have known I'd take the fall But there was fire deep inside Like a beacon in the night Bringing me
Your increasing awareness will raise more and more old beliefs, damage and resistance that have been stored inside you. But resistance is futile. All you have to practice is seeing all of life as an opportunity rather than a challenge, learning to let go and become more powerful. Do not hoard all those bleak moments as if they are what makes you, you. In geometric terms, a human being is a linear projected force. But the spiral geometry creates a non-linear spin path where there is no resistance. So if you utilize the geometry even while doodling at work, you are sweeping your nervous system in towards a central stillness. Infinite compression is possible of apparent conflicts like right and wrong, sick or well, and positive and negative. Imagine your life with no internal conflicts. As your mind alights upon this wonderful prospect, Perhaps them, clear them too now to assist their resolution. You might find you have hundreds. So that is, maybe spin the pendulum and re resolve your internal conflicts. Nonetheless, do not add a story, analysis or justification. Just ask to let them go, ten at a time. The sigh of relief will be far-reaching. So I'm clearing uh, listeners' internal conflicts as we speak. Uh, using the uh, Golden Spiral Fairs here at uh, Harmony Hall. Uh, the number of them is well into the billions. Um, in a way, it's a miracle that we, we move forward in life at all with all the questions, should we, shouldn't we? Um, people deciding not to love too much because they might get hurt, or people, people not deciding anything because they can't decide... Um, what, what is right and what is wrong, um, whether they're good enough or not. Um, and every, every sort of thing provides an internal conflict that uh, kind of stops you in your tracks. So as I'm clearing them, literally just swinging the pendulum, and uh, the, the change that you will feel is that when it comes to making decisions and doing things for yourselves and for other people, you will have a new neutrality. Uh, and in, in as much as you can say, um, okay, yes, I can say yes to that, there, there won't be the um, ping-pong uh, match going on in your mind as you move through life. And uh, that is a, a great um, refreshment. And uh, as you start to um, do this and live like this, speaking from the heart, totally relaxed, uh, not questioning your own judgment or anyone else's, just allowing, 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 uh, and assuming that everything is working out um, as it should be, uh, then your life will become more like that in your eternal, eternal, yes, and external reality as well. So it's quite an achievement, uh, if I say so myself, to be able to clear and talk at the same time, sort of multitasking. Because when you clear your energy, what you're doing is you're spending some time drawing the energy down from your head and your thoughts and your ability to form a sentence, <laughs> for example, and bringing it down to your heart, which is the space actually where all sorts of things can reside without any conflict. The heart, in geometric terms, is the very centre of the spiral. 
it's a still point of focused awareness and compassion. And we can maximize the velocity of the spin path and multiply its results. So that's what I was doing there, bringing all internal conflict in, sending it down the spin path to its resolution at the very heart. In personal terms, a wish or a thought is the centering force in your body and surroundings. Therefore, you increase your power via conscious intentions. You are literally focusing your intentions and sending them towards your heart to this spin path of the spiral. If your thoughts are not based on love, though, they produce a toxic centre or no centre at all. On one hand, this is fortunate as it renders someone without integrity less powerful rather than powerful to negative effect. Coherence and clarity are the most successful creative forces. On the other hand, though, you will realise how few of your daily thoughts about yourself, life and other people are based on love. As you start to notice the level of magnetism you wield, for both good and bad, you will take on the work more and more readily to clarify your thoughts and only magnetise to you the good. The task is to commit to a compassionate understanding of yourself and others. That is the still point that this geometry and healing work establishes in you. A clear heart then makes us available to be of service to others as well. On a micro level, the heart allows infinite cycles to nest together and maintain health in a person. The infinity of cycles are also spreading the healing exponentially from you to others to the whole of reality. And then we're really creating calm. Close to the ocean 
and a warm summer breeze Two hearts in motion Two souls in need Let's wait for the sunrise To light up these skies Let's make this a moment By each other's side Make this a moment By each other's side So this structure underpinning the new paradigm, new way of life that can create calm and can create uh, a world where everybody in every country can thrive and nature can come back into balance. It doesn't just exist in, in nature or in anything that we might make that's geometric. It also exists underneath the world that we can see. So beneath this world lies a structure of light. This can be imagined as a hologram. And the beams of light are held in place by, literally by, their geometric arrangement. Everything we see exists in this form as well. So for healing, the, the potential is endless. You can return anything to its fundamental frequency of structural integrity. Even a painting of a spiral or an ornament or visualization actively draws the person who observes it back towards their own structural integrity. The relationship is one of sympathetic resonance. This is something like empathizing, feeling for someone and wishing them well. So now I'm doing that clearing for people out there. And praise the Lord, um, I asked the universe, is the sympathetic resonance of Harmony Hall and this medium of me clearing and talking to you this afternoon sufficient to bring everybody back into their structural integrity of health and purpose and I got a total yes so I'm just going to go with it <laughs> and see what happens uh, obviously I'd be excited to hear um, any response from people uh, as to any changes it makes for them on a personal level or anything major that happens. The ventricles of a human heart also operate in a simple spiral movement. We can see how this heart-to-heart -heart energy clearing work amplifies the sympathetic resonance and magnifies the power of the call back to health. It is because our hearts are at once in spiral form but also conscious, active, intentional, and compassionate. The energy cannot resist shifting. The heart directs it, and the body responds and releases the stress. Physical change occurs, and it marks like a true return to form. For people who are working towards empowerment, conscious choice and participation, sacred geometry is therefore very useful in your environment. Do not get sidetracked by fear that you will take on other people's difficulties. That is an unconscious habit. With consciousness, you are creating a space between you and the other person wherein turbulence is calmed. The horizons of the two hearts overlap, and what each has learnt is acknowledged. The other reason not to get stuck on questions like how to protect yourself is that even asking the very question 
means you have forgotten the point again. You have by mistake returned to the judgment that there is good and bad energy. You have returned to the assumption that you are separate and vulnerable. And also mistakenly returned to the conclusion that problems are real and personal. All these ideas perpetuate rather than heal. All the divides that I've made And there were times I got too close to the fire And was blinded by the light of the flame So many times I went and opened my mouth Before thinking what I wanted to say But don't you think it's good to get it all out Because it makes you feel much better this way And when my day is done And all I want to do is unwind You're the only one That can make me leave my worries behind And when I talk to you And tell you how I'm feeling inside You make me feel so new When I feel I've lost my mind And I'm coming to the end of the line Feeling like I want to give up Thank you. 
So this is it. This exact moment here. Whatever you're doing, however you're feeling, these are, in a sense, the hand of cards that you've been dealt for this exact moment. So you've got to do your best with it. And the only way you can do that is by really becoming present. Uh, Eckhart Tolle talks about straining away from the present moment, often thinking what we need to get done, what we should have done, what we hope will happen, as opposed to savouring the present moment. So joy is the highest energy of all. You can only feel joy to the extent that you can live in the present moment untroubled by multiple considerations, as in the past and the future. The main reason people are not present is that there is something sad in their heart that they cannot face and let go of. Everyone knows someone who cannot hold eye contact. Everyone has themselves felt uncomfortable meeting the eyes of someone when a difficult issue is being discussed. What is happening in that moment is that we are being triggered into the past, maybe with anger, or the future, maybe by fear. As you clear the old bad feeling that has hung around you for decades, you have a chance to stay open-minded, open-hearted, and just listening to whatever is happening, rather than being emotionally derailed onto an old piece of dead-end track. Rather than avoid discomfort, decide to face it with interest. For this to help you move on, rather than be a self-torture, you have to practice a gentle process. This can be described as continually forgiving yourself and anyone else for their reactions. Try and think of forgiveness as an exercise. The more you depersonalize the mission, the better. Many have a very short mental process when the word forgiveness is mentioned. To generalize in a wonderful sweeping generalization, the thoughts of those that need forgiveness go straight to justification for their actions and the thoughts of those who need to forgive go straight to examples of things that are unforgivable. So draw an example of each situation from your own past. You might have behaved badly and hurt someone. In your mind, see them and apologize. Ask for their forgiveness. Energetically, this sets them free as it sets you free. Then forgive yourself. Regret and guilt are the lowest energies around. They subdue every function of the body. Forgiveness is the only way to release negative emotion and move on in any sort of a powerful way. Even if your mind tells you that you have nothing to be ashamed of, you will notice you do still feel bad. So start letting those low vibrations go. Even if you are not sure whether to blame yourself or problems with another, it does not matter. If, like everyone else, you have been sure for a very long time that you are separate and other people are unjust and abusive, etc., you'll be carrying around some of this negative emotion. Frustration, resentment and anger are similar forms of unforgiveness to guilt and regret. They are all toxic and paralyzing. Start with quite insignificant events from your past that you do not have too much emotional charge around. And then acknowledge higher impact events. The motivation is that you do not wish to continue to suffer. If you resist this practice on the grounds of righteousness, clear that first. The way we're going to do it is the means, in a sense, is your compassionate heart. 
Being aware should be a very subtle process. Do not bulldoze your emotions by insisting on non-attachment to anybody or anything. Do not berate yourself with relentless judgment of your past and your current life situation. Subtlety is required to start noticing the life beneath your life situation. It is the gentle pulse of your heart responding to information. Your heart can acknowledge things on many levels. First, the emotional heart experiences hurt and hostility, warmth and empathy and everything in between. Underneath this, you can access the clearing heart. In this context, the heart is understood as a proactive tool capable of spreading light on any darkness and healing any amount of turbulence through its infinite capacity for resonance. It can be visualized as a flotation tank within which we can return any troubled energy to true form. Thirdly, there's our ancient heart. This is deeper again. There is a sense in which we have all been here on the planet Earth and done this before. We are not a mere few decades old. We are timeless. Whatever drama and dilemmas we meet, we have seen them all before. One could sum the three up as our senses, unconditional love and wisdom. That's our three forms of heart. All these aspects of our heart require us to listen and accept what we hear, not brutally face the music and whip ourselves into shape. It's often said that we should take our attention away from the external signs of who we are and how we are doing. Put time aside to remember your heart and let its many dimensions lead your attention within. Perhaps you've written off this crucial facet to your heart, you know, as broken or lost or less accurate than your brain. I'll deal with the broken heart first, you might say. The problem with a broken heart is that it is love and grief tied in a very big knot. One minute you think you're tugging loose the strand of grief and ready to move onwards and upwards, only to find you've tightened the hold of your heartstrings. The tension leads to breaking point. It does not take much. Someone can unexpectedly show you a small kindness and you find yourself in a heap. You could have just taken a shine to someone only to jump to the feelings of having been used. More often you shut down and privately vow never to feel anything at all again. This level of bad feeling can carry through generations of cellular memory and manifest again and again as heart attacks and cancer. So it's fairly important to heal your heart. This can be done simply by acknowledging what is stored there. Your heart is a tetrahedral-shaped muscle. Fantastic bit of geometry. And as such, can hold millions upon millions of bits of information and frequencies without them conflicting. The way people have it set up emotionally, though, is like a love heart-shaped room with one or two incongruous pieces of furniture in it that must be avoided or run into. Picture a suite of furniture consisting of a three-seater sofa of guilt, an armchair of sadness, and another armchair of some unfamiliar but toxic-looking material. The result is that no hopeful feeling can get past and no tentative idea can receive your full investment. Once you have the realisation that your heart can handle anything being open and receptive, you know everything you need to know. 
the emotional charge that surrounded your worst memories and fears starts to disperse. The shock leaves the rest of your body too, leaving you less reactive and more able to respond instead. Your heart returns to its harmonious flow of information in and out. You will be able to experience the whole spectrum of feelings from creative and blissful through to painful or angry without judging any of them as good or bad. Best of all, though, you'll be able to freely express your love again. You might say you've lost your heart. Nobody actually loses their heart to someone. Strangely, people quickly give their feelings of power and joy away, but hold on extremely tight to their negative experiences. You might be surprised to hear how hopeless people are at letting anything go. Some people say, well, yes, I've forgiven, but I'll never forget. Others say, oh, I hardly ever think of it, but it was definitely quite damaging at the time. Off they go, etching it deeper and deeper into their hearts. People with a noble cause are even more tenacious. This may be in support of an underdog, or it may be because they have a strong ethical perspective, but nevertheless, people hang on to every grim detail, whether they are aware of it or not. If we look further afield, or at least into one, we notice that trees know a thing or two about the rhythms and seasons of nature. They do not hold on to things. They do not hold on to their leaves. They let them fall. Without fear or a shadow of a doubt, they demonstrate their trust that more leaves will grow. We can practice letting go of the things we are emotionally attached to. This works best as a systematic exercise. Lining up many people or things each time in your mind's eye and clearing the feelings that arise. Simply deciding to let go of your attachment to your partner or children for 10 minutes allows a healthy breathing space. This is because relationships are often obscured by dynamics of guilt and anxiety and responsibility. We are supposed to enjoy ourselves and each other. For this to happen, it is really beneficial to let go of years of conditioning as well. Again, just by consciously choosing to. Incidentally, the Tao understanding of making love is that it should have nine courses with all sorts of rapture and ending in the woman's complete letting go into bliss. The man's role in this being one of butler, glad to be of service perhaps. The other main reason to remember to let things go as soon as they happen is because bitterness and resentment will, will follow otherwise and probably end in an ulcer. Of a night, 
to release this emotional charge around your good and bad experiences equally, your inner life will remain very polarised, going from good to bad and dark to light, highs and lows. You might achieve super positivity, 
but alternate it with periods of despondency or oscillate between total peace and total resentment. All, the, all these are just states disconnected from oneness and therefore disempowering. Paradoxically, you can only connect to this one unified field by becoming aware that you are already participating in it. Your emotions, your intelligence, your body are all drawn from it. They are held together and called you by a process of identification. You have chosen the current combination and now you must choose to identify and identify with a more expansive sense of self. An expanded sense of yourself might include identifying with your soul's journey over many lifetimes, or maybe compassion for all living things, identification with nature in all its magnificence, and the infinite. It is a paradox because one must see the sacred in oneself to realize that you are not an individual. The more elaborate the appreciation of who you are, the more the illusion of our alienation from each other falls away. We can continually dip into the flow of all that is, gambling, frolicking, confidently diving and retrieving and recognizing yourself in everyone that you meet. You must recognize your own spirit in order to recognize the spirit in anyone else. This is also why you can only experience love to the extent that you can show it to yourself. If you deep down loathe yourself, feel you do not deserve much and think you are missing a vital part that might make you human or lovable, then you might want to start exploring the question, what is love? Do you have a good understanding of what love means to you? I mean, if you are currently being abused around the clock by everyone you meet, again, you are up against a twisted understanding of love. Love comes in many forms that all have their merits, but in short, it is a willingness to be present and pay attention. As you cultivate a relationship with yourself, you find out gradually what is holding you back. It may be painful or cringeworthy events. It may be fear. It is likely to be a multitude of mental and emotional experiences. Therefore, love is also the commitment to explore your own blocks and triggers as a welcome part of your inner landscape. In relationships, this translates into an ever-expanding comfort zone of shared experience with your partner. There is, of course, romantic love and projection of your hopes and dreams and your needs and their needs and obsessions and great intensity. They all get a lot of bad press, but they do all have their part to play in the grand theatre of our lives. But however much you love someone, and however much your family and your work need physically, mentally and emotionally from you, a priority must be to maintain your internal connection to your infinite source. The main obstacle to maintaining our internal connection um, to oneness or to our infinite source, and to ourselves even, is stress. It's stress that drives us straight into action. You will have noticed that most people are reactive rather than responsive. There should be an international plan implemented for stress management because everyone is affected. Pessimism and anxiety are commonplace and are considered simply realistic. Furthermore, environmental stress travels under every surface and no one even guesstimates 
what is transmitted through our bodies from the operations of wireless systems. Electrical activity causes stress on the body and rewiring our sensitive circuits to the stronger currents passing through. Geopathic stress lines on the ground emit toxic gases. Every stretch of land and city holds eons of history too. All these invisible but dense energies have been playing on your fragile nerves. Then you have your own life story to attach the stress to. It is equally valid, full of hardship, responsibility and uncertainty. Next thing you know, you have made the stress your own. Without realising it, you own the stress fully and quite quickly it takes shape in your body in the form of high blood pressure or relationships breaking down or something else. There are two parts to managing stress. One is becoming aware of it in your environment. The more you are conscious of, the less it is wearing you down on the quiet. You might end up running a mile from some places, looking for new work or spending every weekend by the sea, but you will be aware and responding rather than soldiering on. Secondly, choose not to identify with it or own it. Stress comes up. It is familiar, but it is not who you are. It is one of many feelings that are around. Only acknowledge it and then put another thought and feeling in its place. Say to yourself, this is not yours or mine. It just is. Be determined in moving on and not drenching every cell of your body in the anxiety and adrenaline. There is a part of you that is peaceful and still. Return there to that part of you as often as you can. For me, that's about um, every 20 minutes or so. Come back to that happy still point of relaxation and I hope that um, everybody will be able to get that level of um, guidance or rather that self-guidance system really in place and established.